In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Father, we thank you because you have heard us. As we go into a short study of your word this evening, we receive from you understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. We receive from you insight in the name of Jesus. Amen. And Lord, specific directions for every individual here, for every aspect of each person's life. We receive it, Lord, again today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. All the time. I said the Lord is good. Can I declare the words of understanding before we sit down? Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, now spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The world is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It's giving me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. The Lord is good. All the time. Greet somebody again before you sit down. Say the person, you are very wise. You are very wise. You are very wise with the wisdom of God. In the name of Jesus. The Lord is good. Let's open our Bible school of prayer. Let's take a few minutes and um, study. I feel like we should read those scriptures we have been reading again and again. Isaiah chapter 62. The book of Isaiah chapter 62. I'm sure you can hear me clearly. Don't mind my voice. My voice is very good. Alright, from verse 1 it says, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth like brightness, and her salvation like a torch that is burning. He said, The nations will see your righteousness, and all kings your glory. And you will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. It will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. It will no longer be said to you, Forsaken. Not your land will it, will it any longer be said desolate, but you will be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and to him your land will be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. Those are the promises of God. That's said in verse 6, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night, they will never keep silent. He said, you who remind the Lord, that is you watchmen, that he has instructed not to keep silent. Take heed to what he has said, and take no rest for yourselves. And give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Let's just stop in that verse 7, so as to save our time. Again, let's read Psalm 122. We'll be reading these verses. Psalm 122. It's important that we do not waste our time when we are praying. It's important we don't punch as people punch in the air, but we know what is most important or how to pray about the things that are important. Psalm 122, I'm going to read almost everything. Let's start from verse 1. 
I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem that is built as a city that is compact together, to which the tribes go up, even the tribes of the Lord. They go up as an ordinance for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For their thrones were set for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. He said, this Jerusalem, the fact that God has appointed it and has a purpose for it, does not mean things will work automatically for it. This is a parallel to Psalm, um, to Isaiah chapter 62 that um, we just complete, concluded reading a few verses from. God gave the promises concerning Zion. Then he appointed watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem so that they will pray until the promises he gave will come to pass. Now we see it also in Psalm 122 here, the same thing. God has described Jerusalem, what it's supposed to be like, but that does not guarantee that there will be peace in it. So he said, what God has proposed in the heavens, just and ignore my voice, just pay attention to my words. You can pay attention to somebody's words and forget his voice. Are you getting my point? So can you do that? Can you try? Just try. It declares I'm going. So I'm going. I thought, I didn't know it would be like this. <laughs> it will clear. Just watch. Just watch. <laughs> In a few minutes, it's going to clear. All right, the Lord is good. Now, so like we're saying, it does not mean that nothing will go wrong, but that is the fact that God has proposed. So the point is this. Even though he has established these promises, those things, he still says watchmen must be there and they must pray. Every time I stand to teach our school of prayer here, I always try to bring that to us. It is important. It is important. Watchmen must be on the walls. The things that God wants to do, there will be people that will ask him to do them. That's how he made it. It's not me. Do you understand? I made it like that. It's not my teaching. It's the word of God. The fact that God has promised is what, I mean, that is what is the stimulation for prayer. Desire is not a stimulation for prayer, but the promise of God. The promise of God is a stimulus for faith in prayer, not desire. I'm not saying desire is not important, but desire is secondary to God's promise. No matter how much you desire something, if God has not promised it, he will not do it. It is when your desire locates the promises of God and then you unite with God by your heartfelt, you know, desire with his own heartfelt promise. That is when spiritual power is released. Are you getting my point? We have seen it many times. Deliverance was desirable, but it was when Daniel found the promise that he was able to pray in faith. Until God reveals something to you, faith is hard. Faith is very hard, except there is revelation. Many people, their prayers are set, you know, set what's the word now? That's centered, yes, on their desire. They keep going round and round and round and round what they like. And for that reason, they can't be firm in their faith. The faith wavers. You say to, um, Yourself, this is the kind of car I like. You know the truth? If God doesn't supply that car in one year, you will change it. 
Because in that period, you will see a different one. In that period, the one you like, were lacking before becomes old. In that period, they bring a new model. During that period, you buy a newspaper and they show you the force of the one you liked. They will announce to you that Volkswagen had to recall a lot of the ones that that particular model you liked. That affects how your desire is in that area. So if your desire is focused, if your faith is centered or anchored on your desire, it cannot be firm. It can't be firm. It can't be firm. And God will not pour the gift of faith into your heart when it is your desire at the center of it. What makes faith firm? What makes faith stand? What makes faith all right, reach so that God will pour the gift of faith into somebody's life is when that prayer, that faith is centered on what he spoke. Forever, O Lord, thy word is what? Settled. Forever, the word of God is settled. Because of that, the faith that is hinged, anchored, hooked onto his word cannot falter. That faith is strong. That faith is reliable. That faith does not, is not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That faith becomes, you know, bigger with time. Even though you deny that faith for some time, it doesn't waver easily. Because the thing it is hooked upon does not change. That's why I keep telling Christians, don't write your own desire on the wall. Write the word of God on the wall. Wake up in the morning and don't ever forget the word of God can think. Just look, God to us is like we are to our children. There are times your children will come to you and say, this is what I want. Daddy, get this for me. You will look and tell the child, this is not good. It will not last. All my friends have it. In one month, they won't have it anymore. Then you will say to your child, what do you want? You want to look good. This will be better for you. Are you getting my point here? That's how we are with God the Father too. He knows what exactly we need. He does. He gives us things we did not ask for. Don't ever forget that. It's not only what we ask for that he gives us. There are things that we have not even thought about that he will do for us. But if we focus on God's word, that word can think. I've said that many times. The Bible says that the word of God is alive and active. To be alive means to have a mind. To be alive means it can make decisions. To be alive means it can sort things out for you. Do you get the point? To be alive means it can make decisions. Which means if I take a word and I hang my prayer on that word, it will filter the result according to that which will be a blessing to me. Are you getting my point? For example, I want to pray. A big company, maybe they advertise. So I take the, 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 the advert. I write my application to them. And I want to pray. It is not Christianity. I mean, you can do it if you like, but it's not good to say, Lord, I claim this job in the name of Jesus. It's not necessary. Because that job, really, you don't know. You see, the problem is that you don't have enough information. You don't have enough information. You don't have enough information. And God will not be a responsible father 
if he just falls for everything that your flesh tells you to tell him. Are you getting my point? Your flesh will send you to God. You know it's your father, he loves you. Go and ask him for foolish things. Sometimes our flesh behaves like that. You know you are God's son. Go and tell him foolish things. I do not think by faith you can claim everything. God thinks. There are prayers you pray for yourself. You should pray to God and say, God, if I'm asking for things that will not bless me, please don't give me. It's a very good prayer. Yes, sir. Don't let my flesh lead me into trouble. But if I take the same application, listen to this. And I said, Lord, this looks like a good job. I would like to work in this company. I would like this, this, I would like to really exercise my gifts here. Therefore, Lord, I ask you for favor in this application. As it is written, you surround the righteous with favor as with a shield. No good thing will live withhold from those who walk uprightly. The Lord is a son. You understand my point? You describe that kind of thing. He's my shade at my right hand. He's my supplier. You describe to him the scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I have not said anything tight on that job. I have held on to the promises of God and covered my application with it. I don't know whether you noticed that. I'm holding on tight to what he said. And I said, concerning this job, show me favor. Favor can be denial. They will look at it and say, this one, don't give that boy that job. You think, that's how you must learn to rejoice. Let me tell you something. The word of God doesn't return void. That word you spoke on that application has gone to another place to be working. You first went to that company, you closed the door there. It went to that company and closed it. No, this boy won't do it here. This girl won't do it here. Close the door. At the same time, it goes to a, a, listen to this. This is the word of the Lord. It goes to a company you don't even know the advertising. Opens the door for you. Buys a desk. A good ergonomic desk and chair. Good chair. Puts it in a good office in a particular corner and reserves it for you. And that word we say, nobody else but you is sitting down here. And if the word we say to you, you are going to sit here for six years. You may not hear any sound. Then those people will send you an, a, a reply. We are sorry to tell you your application was not successful. Then as you are living, rejoicing in the Lord, not grumbling in the flesh. So their, their response is, what is going on in this country? And you know how defeated people are. Let me tell you how defeated people talk. They say, where is the MD from? It's a new demand. Okay. No wonder. That's how they are. He's, he read my name. He knows I'm, it's an uncanny name. These are things I've heard in this city. I've not talked Hausa, Yoruba, Ibo, whatever it is. I've, I've talked Enugu alone now. I asked him, God did you go and help in that place? He said, oh, no, it's, it's run by Udi people. I looked at the old man. I felt like saying, shame on you. That's how defeated people talk. We are grasshoppers. That's how they are. Grasshopper complex. Grasshopper mentality. Victors will look when they see that reply. <laughs> they will laugh over it. They will take up, take the reply and say, Father, we thank you. You are always good. Whatever is mine, nobody can take it. Nobody can take it if it is mine. If it is mine, it is coming to me. 
Just speak like that. There are times you get another mail and say, please disregard the first mail. It was sent in error. Other times they will send a second mail and say, please, this is to confirm our former mail to let you know it was not sent in error. <laughs> but it does not mean God is not working. A, a, a person of the spirit rejoices like that and he keeps going on his own way. Then somebody will just sit down somewhere and say, <laughs> what are you doing now? Ah, we're just waiting on the Lord for the next phase. Last time I spoke, you told me you had this qualification, you could do this, yes. One of my friends is employing. I told him that it's people like you that we need. By the time you get there, you find that there's that your office. Remember that office you talked about? Yes. They kept it for you. And the moment you walk in, they close down interview. Say, you have come. The one that the Lord sent has come. The oil will start flowing. Someone has been there interviewing people all day. Eliab comes. Good, well-qualified man. One man on the panel says, this guy, the Lord has not chosen him. Then when you walk in, they say interview is over. I don't want to give details. I know somebody it happened to. Was supposed to be interviewed by President Obasanjo as Vice Chancellor of one of the federal universities. And the other people that were screened and made it to the finals, the new people, he did not know anybody. So one day his friends asked him, his friends asked him, how far would that application, that VC thing? He said, oh, well, I've not heard anything. He said, why don't you go to Abuja to follow up? He said, I don't have that kind of money to be going up and down. So his friends contributed money and bought a ticket. So you can't sit at home. His friends said, you can't just sit down at home. Go and find out what is going on. He actually got there that day. He went to Abuja because his friend said go. That's how God moves people. He got to, a, I think it's also Rock Gate, whatever. Went somewhere she said, he said, what are you looking for? His professor, so and so and so and so. Those ones said, ah, they, sent, they called in. They, they, knew they, they, knew, they knew people coming for stuff like that. They tried to get information from inside. The information from inside is that the interview is supposed to be Monday now and today is Friday. But it's not that day. It's, uh, it's next week. And meanwhile, the president was traveling that night. So the president got to here. He said, okay, the man is here. He said, one of them is here. And let's just interview him. Let him come. And then he came in. He didn't plan for interview. He came to check what's going on. He said, president said he should come. They ushered him into Ogar's office or Ogar's house. Obasanjo used to interview in strange places. He interviewed Dora Kuyeli on dinner table. When he interviewed Dora Kunile, he was he sent him, he said, oh, God said, come and eat. It was where they were serving food. So if I make you DJ of Navdak, what are you going to do? And that one kept on talking. Oh, God was chopping. <laughs> he, he had a strange way of doing things. What I'm telling you really happened. So they just called the man, they called him and said, okay, what are your plans for Susan and So University? The man talked, 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 talked. When he finished talking, Oga just said, write him an appointment letter. Cancel the interview for next week. And that's it. That was the end. The other people were not interviewed. <laughs> Nobody else was interviewed. Where the word of the king is, there is power. Nobody else was interviewed. Because the man was traveling that night. Just to them, look, look, give this guy the job. Leave the other people. Cancel the interview for next week. Listen, God is still in control. Back to where we began from. So prayers must be hooked on the word of God. Not on our desires. We can have desires. That's what I keep telling people. There's nothing wrong with desires. But it is stubbornness to hold on to it. That's not faith. It's what? Stubbornness. This is when we were young. 
Let's not forget such things because <laughs> we too, maybe we did this at the time. I can't remember. So a single boy sees fine girl. You'll be claiming her in faith. It's, it's not bad. Continue. That's the thing, kind of thing that ent- ent- entertains angels. Angels need to laugh. Be claiming a, a young woman in faith. I claim her in the name of Jesus. Jesus will look you like this. <laughs> Jesus will look at you like, are you serious? There's nothing wrong with telling the Lord, I like her in the name of Jesus. Uh-huh. The Lord, uh, no, I'm serious. The Lord will now say, you do? Yes. All right. Next day, she will pour pepper in your face. And the Lord will come and say, do you still like her? I say, Lord, I've changed my mind. He said, good. I allowed that to happen because you told me what was in your heart. And I needed to clarify that that is not my will. He does that. He, he, I wish you would know that he's that close. I wish you would know he's that close. I, I heard one man say, say something on TV. Okay, let me not go there. Because if I go there, with all these single boys, we won't live there. They will hold you spiritually. Tie your leg to that message. Let me leave it. Oh, I'm leaving the message. Leave it. <laughs> we pray something. Else. We pray something else. You can't claim the woman. No, you can't. But you can like her. It's allowed. Same thing with women too. You can like a man. And you can pray about him. You can say, Lord. What's your name? She. Just say, Lord. Nothing wrong with it. Young lady goes to say, Lord. Ah. End up my name that we're thinking of she. Father God. In all my ways, I acknowledge you. Please make my emotions straight. Nothing wrong with it. And if she is the will of God, you won't sleep again too. Your birthday, the first phone call, 12.01 a.m. Now she, don't be calling at 12.01 because I said so. <laughs> and of course, you know what you do? You pretend like you are sleeping. Look at the phone call, you won't take it. Ring a second time. You are awake, oh? I say, uh, hello? <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Look, listen. Like I said, it's stubbornly holding on to it. That's the problem. It's in the name of Jesus. Lord, the moment I saw Shay, my spirit said that you said <laughs> that that is your will. Because they see me. Oh. Therefore, according to the principles of faith, I declare it, I claim it, I receive it. Then go and download this picture from you, Facebook and print it and put it on your wall. The guy becomes your, the screensaver for your phone. That's witchcraft. What did I say? <laughs> the Lord is good. We can have desires. Let me see with that. But we can only hold on tenaciously to the word of God. As a young man, single man, I need to pray. Yes, I like Angelina, no problem. But I will not, I can tell her, Lord, I do. But this is your word. I hold on to this word. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helpmate, the proper one for him. The one you have made for me, I receive in the name of Jesus. It looks like Angelina, but I receive it, your word. Are you getting my point? But I cannot be sure of who it is. That's the reality. So back to my, my point. We don't pray holding on to our desires. We pray holding on to what? The word of God. That way we will never become weak. Even if we lose out on this particular desire that we thought he was bringing, that spirit can never die. It will go on and bring that which is ordained of God for our lives. That's what he does. 
So let's not forget that. So I want all of that understand that it's based on God's word that we have desires. And the most important thing that God is doing, we've been saying, on the earth is establishing the truth of Christ. That's the most important thing he's doing. On this earth, he's pushing the gospel of Jesus. He wants the whole earth to be saturated with the knowledge of Christ as the God-appointed judge of the living and the dead, as the waters cover the seas. That is his work. That's what he's doing. And he says, for that to be effective, people must pray along with me. That's what we've been talking about. So we say we're praying for the church of Christ, which is the Jerusalem of God, which is the Israel of God, which is the true circumcision. When God said pray for the peace of Jerusalem, he was prophesying that Jerusalem is the Israel of God. There is a physical Israel. There is what Paul called the false circumcision. There is. But there is what Paul also calls the true circumcision. There are those that Jesus said, they say they are Jews, but they are not. But there are those who are Jews indeed. And only in Christ Jesus is the promise of God fulfilled. So these promises of God, they are fulfilled in Christ. So when he said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, it is not substitution theology, you know, what they call replacement theology. I just want you to know, I know some of these terms. I just don't think them wise to be dropping them when I'm preaching. Okay, people Christians get into controversy. They say you are preaching replacement theology. I don't know the meaning of replacement theology, I mean, in, in that sense. I know that whoever you are, you are nothing outside Christ Jesus. No matter the blessings that he has promised, they are only fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, there is no Jew on Gentiles. There is one body. That's what he said. He has removed the wall of partitioning. That's it. So it's not replacement. We are saying everybody is included. Now, that's a better one. It's included theology. <laughs> no, I like my English. I like it like that. Included <laughs> theology. Uh, yes, I like that one. If you say inclusive, that doesn't sound like theology. You understand? <laughs> it is everybody is, actually it's short for everybody is included theology. That's what it is, really. It's everybody is included theology. So we are praying for the Jerusalem that comes from heaven. We are praying for what Paul calls the Israel of God. How do we pray for it? So we have been talking about. We have already talked about the fact that we need to pray that God will send laborers into his harvest, that he will release, he will give pastors after his heart. We've talked about the fact that there is one Lord, one faith, one hope, uh, one baptism, one God, one Father who is all, over all and in all. All of that. We read Paul writing to the Ephesians. We pray about that for unity. Now, what we are going on today, okay, to explain briefly, for the time we have, is to establish the, how to pray. We've talked about this before in some other series, but I just feel that this is, and for last time, I ended with this, okay? I just want to pick up from there. Let's quickly open to the book of Romans chapter 12. The book of Romans chapter 12. Now, I want to bring out something here. From verse 3. He said, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members, now this is what I'm going to, for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many 
are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members, he says, one of another. Let me just stop there. That's the main thing I want to bring out. What I just want to bring out here is just a simple fact. Talk about it for 30 seconds and go to the main thing I want to say. And that is the body of Christ we are talking about is made up of what? Individuals. The body of Christ is made up of what? Individuals. One person, another person. One brother, one sister. You understand? One pastor, a member of his flock. Each where individually, that is a body, is not just one mass of cells, but is a mass of individuals. Each one with his own identity. Each one with his own relationships. Now, bear that in mind. All right? The cells in the body, they are closer to some than they are to others. Some receive signals better from one than they do from others. But each cell, each member of this body is an individual. So when we're talking about praying for the body of Christ, today I want to emphasize on praying for individuals again. I want to emphasize, we began it last time. Last time when we finished, when we were concluding teaching last week, we, we prayed for pastors. We prayed for people that will come to mind and all of that. I just want to explain that part of advancing the gospel of Christ, part of praying for the true Jerusalem, is to, as a matter of duty, regularly pray for the members of the body of Christ. It's a matter we get that point. It is very important we get it. Listen, let us stop being preoccupied with praying for ourselves. We've, we've established that. That for six months, the rest of the year, let's pray for the, for the kingdom of God. Let's seek his righteousness. That's what we'll be explaining. Now, today we're talking about praying for individuals. As part of your um, adventure for the next few months, pick people especially that you know. It doesn't mean you are close to them, but you know them. Now, this is how you know the kind of person you can pray for, and it will be effective. When James was speaking, he said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or makes tremendous power available. That word effectual, it means heartfelt, continued. What James was saying is that when you are touched with the feeling of somebody's infirmity, that's when your prayer can be effective. The way I like to illustrate it is this. Do you know the kind of people that your prayers are most effective for? People you will hear that, oh, they had a particular trouble. They were involved in a road traffic accident. You were eating. You will discontinue eating. You will lose appetite. People that if they just tell you that, ah, they need to have surgery. They need money. Let's leave stingy people out. But you're a normal Christian. You understand? <laughs> your heart will gladly take money and contribute. People that when you hear something good happens to them, you rejoice from the bottom of your heart. You're happy. It, look, if, um, let me give an example. Now let's take football as an example. Assuming Nigeria is playing in the World Cup. When is the World Cup starting? Thursday. Thursday. Are you so happy about it? <laughs> so happy about it. <laughs> now, Nigeria is playing. Okay, now tell me we're in group D, all right? Give a, two countries in group A. Hmm? Okay. Russia and Saudi Arabia. Good. Two good countries to use as an illustration. <laughs> I think the two of them are playing and you are watching it. And you are supporting Russia. And your friend is supporting Saudi Arabia. So you supporting Russia. Russia has caused a goal. Are you going to rejoice? No, 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 no. There's no trick. Will you rejoice? Good. Will you jump out of your room and run downstairs? You just get up there. Yes! 
Why? You are supporting Russia. Let us now come down to Nigeria versus Argentina. It's 89 minutes. It's 1-1. Countdown. You've seen it. Injury time. Two minutes added. You've hit 91 minutes. One minute to go. Give me one Nigerian striker. Okay, Judy Gallo. Must it be so long? Just say it short now. <laughs> so suddenly a cross come. What's the one you mentioned? Alex huh? Alex, Alex it will be here. A cross comes from Alex. Jude harvests it down. Takes five paces down. Wires a shot. Hits the bar. Hits the floor. Hits the net. <laughs> Do you get my point there? Then the Argentine goalkeeper hits his head on the bar in that process. <laughs> and listen to this, and fractures his skull. Will you notice the fracture of the skull? No. 91.5 minutes. As soon as that one enters, it is God that will prevent you from fracturing your skull <laughs> as you are rushing out to go and jubilate. That is what they call heartfelt. You are touched with the feeling of Nigeria's infirmity. As when they tell you that the Argentine goalkeeper fractured his call trying to save uh, Judy Gallo's goal. What thing concerns you? You say, good for him. <laughs> say, so will the Lord do to thy enemies. It becomes a prayer. <laughs> Anyone trying to prevent your promotion this week, you know, <laughs> try to turn it to a prayer point. As the Lord defended that goal, so will your enemies break in the head. Amen. Why? You don't care. Just by the way, I've told you. That's why I don't watch black history films. I can't watch the films. I, I don't watch them. It's too painful for me. I can't stand it. You are showing a black history film. I just get up and leave. I can't stand it. But I can watch Holocaust. I say, ah. Hitler is very wicked. I will sit down there. This Hitler is very wicked. And I will watch the film from beginning to the end. And I'm a good man. Hitler killed 6 million Jews, minorities, sick people. If you are sick, Hitler will kill you. If you are born with a defect, Hitler will kill you. But guess what? Almost everybody he killed were not black. A few black people that you don't know what they were doing in Europe when he was killing people. Now, I'm going to explain something here. That's, that's how prayer is. People are looking, man of God, pray for me. Better make sure you have a friend that has faith. The kind of person who will sit with you in hospital. His prayer is more effective than that pastor you are watching on television. What I'm saying is a matter of fact. That friend that you have, who if you have to be in hospital, he's the one that will sit there. She's the one that will sit there. That kind of person's prayer is stronger. The difference between that person's prayer and the man of God's prayer usually is your faith. You understand? You tend to have more faith. Okay, pastor has prayed. But really, if you could balance out the faith, the person that has a stronger voice is a fellow that will have come to sleep in hospital when you're on the bed. Don't ever forget that. I'm bringing out something here now. So in the body of Christ, let's learn to recognize, first of all, you are praying, locate such people, your friends, Know the truth? Many of us Christians, we forget such people until there's trouble either with them or with us. 
But when things are normal, we often don't remember them. What if it's a matter of fact? No, think about it. Think about it. Just in the last one week, think about it. You prayed in the last one week, two weeks. How many times do you remember your friends? Believers who? Remember, our focus is where? The church of God. So we're talking about individually members. That's what we are. The church has individuals. And listen to this. I said it before. God has promises for us, right? He needs... No, what I'm about to say is so true. He needs your prayers for your friends to be able to bless him effectively. He does. Oh, he most certainly does. And that's why I tell people, stop making yourself such a useless person that everybody thinks bad of you. Because if that's the case, they are not praying for you. When you fall sick, you will die. Because nobody is praying for you. And when you are sick, you can't pray for yourself. You will try. Oh. Said, is anyone sick? Let him, is anyone afflicted? Let him pray. The next line says, is anyone beyond helping himself? Let him call. For the elders of the church. Now, prayer ailments come in different levels. That's the point I'm trying to make. It gets to a point where you need to call. Some people, they have, they have, they, have, they meet themselves very usually when they fall sick. People are doing, yeah, it's all his wickedness. Yes. Nobody is raising a voice for mercy for the individual. It's very terrible. It's very, very terrible. Look, it's a bad place to be in life. Lester Sumra told a story once. He was following, um, Howard Carter. Howard Carter. He was following Howard Carter. Somewhere along the line, he ate something bad in China. He became sick. He was at the back of their caravan. They didn't know when he fell. And they left him behind. Do you know, it was people praying for him back at home that raised him up from that place. They didn't know. They were just, somebody just felt uncomfortable. Hey, how is uh, Lester? Not heard from him in a long time. Let's pray for him. He was dying at that moment. He was literally, he was dying at that moment when they remembered him and began to pray. There are so many stories like that we have heard. If you remember, listen, this is an assignment we have as believers. When we're talking about praying, the, the prayer work is plenty. Let me give you an assignment as a family. Write the name, write names down for your friends and give them, say, okay. For the next two weeks, we'll take them one or two, day by day. And next, I'm going to talk about what the primary thing you're supposed to pray for them is. There are primary things. There are secondary things. Let's go into that. For time's sake, I'll just quote them. Once I was thinking about it, Paul will write to the churches. He will pray for the people there. He did not pray for them that they will have money. I hope you are getting my point. What was one singular prayer point Paul had for individuals in the body all the time? Read all his letters, always centered around one thing, that they will be filled with the knowledge of his will. It's always like that. It's always that God will give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You can read this in Ephesians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. Those are the primary things. In fact, I like the way John said it. I desire that you do what? Prosper and be in health. How? Even as your soul. The primary thing John was concerned about was the same thing. I rejoice when I hear that your children are walking in the truth. You know, we easily pick up for each other physical things we can see. Lord, he needs a job this year. 
No, this week I want to pray that he will have a job. Then you start praying and praying. It's a good prayer point, but brethren, that is not even primary. No, that is not primary. I'm not even sure it's secondary. It's probably tertiary. The primary thing that you pray when you pick up somebody's name, all right? The primary thing you pray for the fellow as things like this, they must be spiritual. You know the truth? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added. Now the truth is that many of the things you want to pray about, Jesus said that's not his problem. He said, I will add these things to him, to her, when I've settled the primary and the secondary things. Remember, when we're talking about prosperity, we took prosperity, that's on radio now, it was radio we did a series then. When, when I talked on prosperity on, on radio, if you remember, we talked about prosperity in how many levels? Three levels. Three levels. So I, I remember I, I preached on complete three-level prosperity, all-round prosperity. So the primary prosperity is the prosperity of the spirit, is spiritual prosperity. What is spiritual prosperity? It is working in the word of God, in the knowledge of God's will for your life. That is the first prosperity. A man that does not have, we're talking about Christians, so we can jump this. The fellow that does not have the knowledge of Jesus Christ is poor, no matter how rich outwardly he or she is. Christians who are not working in his will for their lives, they are poor, no matter how rich outwardly they might appear. Are you getting my point here? Sometimes you hear Christians talk in ignorance. Before I used to be angry. You want to get angry with them. But now I've realized that it's a matter of prayer. While we're ministering in Sokoto, my sister Momian said, she was just saying something about how Christians behave sometimes as embarrassing. That she was in church, ministering, and she's a Pentecostal church. We're not talking about carrying Christ inside. She was talking about it. Wanted to, wanted to use an illustration. Say, imagine that a woman is pregnant. She just looked around, said, like, I, I mean, say, I, I don't know what was a women's program, but there were a lot of women there, so somebody must be pregnant. So she looked for somebody that looked pregnant. And identified one lady, she was not visibly pregnant, but from experience, one, she's a doctor, two, she's a woman, she's had many children. So she just looked at her, just knew that this girl is pregnant. You understand? Just okay. Ah, for example, like this is my sister. And she just pointed her out, you know, and used that to make her point. How she'll carry herself, how she'll watch what she eats, how she'll watch where she goes because she's nurturing the seed of God. You know, sounding very spiritual, only for her to finish preaching. And the lady come and say, What kind of thing is that? She was so angry with this. This lady is senior to her. She's a young married woman. The person is talking about has a daughter that's ready to marry. Has children. What is it? Ah, that she was not very happy. Why? You just exposed me like that. Say what? That, that, uh, that they said that she has to keep herself because this, you don't know, not everybody comes to church that has a good heart towards you. <laughs> and that she has been struggling to hide that pregnancy so that she will not miscarry. You know what they call shock? My sister was looking at her like, what? You've not read your Bible that says, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I fear no evil. Why are the one telling me? Prayer warriors are supposed to go. A man, his wife died. Christian church. He was a member of the praying team. So because they really, really supported him when the wife was sick. After the burial, I invited them to the house for, a, for 
like a small reception to appreciate them. They all refused to go. Why? They said the witch that killed the wife may still be in the house. There are a number of problems here. One is a Pentecostal church. Two, this is the prayer team of a Pentecostal church. And you wonder why T.B. Joshua is making money. <laughs> you know who told me the story now? He's a member of them. He was so sure. One of my friends that told me. He came and said, Pastor, there's trouble. I said, what happened? He said, this is what they said in prayer meeting. Before I used to get angry. But now it's not, it's not need, there's no need to, for anger anymore. If it's your friend that's talking that kind of a pattern, eh? Okay, sorry. Let's say it in English. If it's your friend that's talking that kind of nonsense, you will... <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's a prayer point. It's, there's no, I, what we have done over time is to talk, you know, get angry, wonder, and end it there. But this is the instruction of the Lord. This is the Lord's instruction for all of us. We are supposed to settle down and do what? Pray. Take your friend up in prayer and pray the will of God into his life. Once you are sure he's a believer, how you pray for believers is different from how you pray for unbelievers. You have a friend that you are convinced, a relative, a loved one, that you are convinced is a believer. God has given you an assignment to take his or her name and pray for him regularly. Pray for him. Pray for her. From Ephesians chapter 1. That God will fill him or her with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Take that, you know, for time's sake, I won't read it, but start from that Ephesians chapter 1, in that around verse 16, verse 17. You pray from there, take the fellow's name. That is what you owe Christians first. He doesn't have a job, it's not his primary problem. The reason why God has refused to give some people money is to keep the society safe. You go and pray with all kinds of serious prayer and pray money into that fellow's hand and he backslides. Then God will not hold you responsible. That's on the first thing. Money, look, listen, money is material things. They are the least of the things that God is doing in our lives. It's just unfortunate that oftentimes we believers, we push them into the front as if that's the primary thing that he's doing. No. That's not the primary thing he's doing. The primary thing he's doing is, he wants, look, you see a lot of Christians living carelessly, believing what is not true. Like I said last time, you know what John said? If you see a brother committing a sin that's not unto death, all right? Good. I, I, I asked a question. I said, if somebody is walking below the level that God expects him to walk in, is it a sin unto death? We all agree this is not. He said, it's, not, it's, it's a sin that's not unto death. So John said, we have a duty to pray that God will give the fellow life. You are getting my point? Now, when God is giving life, the way by which he gives life is by the infusion of his word. Let's read, there's a particular scripture I want us to read. Job, that when Eli was speaking. Job chapter 33. If you read from verse 13, Eli said, why do you complain against him, that is against God? That he does not give an account of all he's doing. He said, actually, indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one pays attention or no one notices it. How does he speak? In a dream, a vision of the night, and all of that. If you go to verse 16, he said, doing all of this, he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. The purpose is, verse 17, that he may turn man aside from his conduct and keep man aside from pride. 
By doing that, he keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from passing over into Sheol or into hell. Now, this is a problem. Sometimes people don't listen. So, God goes to the next line. We are going to talk about how God disciplines Christians later. He said, man is also chasing with pain on his bed and with unceasing complaint in his bones so that his life loads bread and his soul his favorite food. He said, his flesh wastes away and all of that. Then verse 22, then his soul draws near to the pit. Now, notice verse 23. If there is an angel as an intercessor or as mediator for him, it's very rare, he said, one out of a thousand, to remind a man what is right for him. Then let him be gracious to him and say, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Then let his flesh become fresher than in youth, and all of that. Now, if you read that, you see what he was saying here. Now, people oftentimes, what, they, what happens is that God corrects us with his word, we don't listen. Then we get into trouble, that's what he was saying. Now, when we get into trouble, what we need at that time is a mediator. The word angel can also go, if, if I literally means a messenger. That if somebody, what the fellow needs, now this is very uncommon, that's what he was saying, one out of a thousand. What the fellow needs to do is to remind a, remind a man what is right for him to do. Now notice that. It is what is right that the fellow needs to be reminded of. If you go to verse 24, he said, then he will say, I have found a ransom. What was he saying there? It is when the man has learnt what he's supposed to learn, when he has learned what is right for him to do, it is repentance that is the ransom. I don't know whether you are getting my point here. It is repentance that is the, that is the ransom. The primary assignment, all right, of this messenger here that comes as a mediator or, or as an intercessor is to bring to that fellow's recollection what is right for him to do. I'm bringing an issue here that even when, when Christians are inside in the midst of troubles, when you are praying for them, it's good to pray to come out of trouble. But most importantly, the prayer is as the fellow will have understanding of what is right to do. Many times we believers, we are in trouble because we don't know what is right to do. And I've already established that the things that God wants to do, which he shows us in scriptures, all right, they are the things that are the foundation for the prayers that we pray. For example, he says, I will give them pastors. He says, I will give them pastors after my heart, Right? Who will feed them with knowledge and with understanding? Good. So, I want to pray for somebody. I know the Lord has that promise. For that reason, I, I pray to God for him. That God will teach him what is right to do. That is why we said, complete three-level prosperity. It is not the outward prosperity that is first. It is the ins- inward prosperity that is most important. That is why Paul took time out to pray for Christians. He did not pray that they will have food to eat. He did not pray that they will have money. Are you getting my point? Even John that spoke about prospering and being in health. Paul didn't say anything about being in health. You didn't notice that? Mm-hmm. Paul didn't. It, read it. He hardly addressed the needs in the lives of Christians. There are a few things that Paul has had in his letters. Read them. One, he gives you facts concerning your spiritual state. He will pray for you that you understand it. Then next, 
He gives you your responsibilities as a child of God. Then he says to you, may the peace of God be with you. <laughs> no, what I've told you, go home, take it. His letters are always correction. First, very important, he gives spiritual facts. You have been redeemed. You have been forgiven. All right? The wall of partition has been broken. You have, uh, you have been crucified with Christ. You understand? All things have passed away. He tells you all of those things. And it starts by praying that you'll understand them. It starts by praying that you'll understand them. After he has told you all of those things, then he starts giving instructions on how to walk in a manner that is pleasing to God. And when he finishes, he'll tell you, greet, okay, Mote, greet, greet, greet Israel, greet Felix, and then the peace of God be with all of you. Now let me ask you a question. Is it that he didn't want Christians healed? No, he wanted them healed. Is it that he didn't want them to prosper? He wanted them to prosper. Is that he didn't want breakthrough in their lives? He wanted breakthrough in their lives. But what was he saying? Those things come to you automatically if you do these things that I have said. Those things come to you automatically if you understand these things I have spoken to you and you follow these instructions that I have given you. That's what he was saying. Do this, he told Timothy, and the God of peace will be with you. The word peace Paul understood it. It's a spiritual force. When he said the God of peace, remember he's talking about from the Hebrew mind. The God of abundance will be with you. The God of prosperity will be with you. Give attention to doctrine. Teach these things. Be instant in season and out of season. Do your duty as a man of God. Walk away from uncleanness. Walk away from things that are wrong. He said, the God of peace will be with you. What was he saying? Listen, my people, that all these things you are shouting need problems in my life. They are solved automatically if you follow these things that I have said. Therefore, when he wants to pray for Christians, how is he doing? We don't know. His life is all up and down like this. Let's pray for him. Father, we pray that you will fill him with the knowledge of your will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Anything that he's doing that's not of you, frustrated, bring him back into the center of your will. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you open his eyes, that he will understand that his sins have been forgiven. We ask that you open his eyes so that he will understand what you have made him to be in Christ Jesus. What is the hope of his calling? He, that is the prayer. After that, in Jesus' name. So if that man understands these things, his problems will go away. You want to pray for Christians? Not, not you want to pray. You must pray for believers like this. Everywhere God has placed us in life, he has added an assignment to our lives. Let me say it again. Everywhere. For people that have understand, let me say it like this. You join a church, you are a member of the choir. You could have been a member of the ushering team. You could have been a member of the evangelism unit, the technical unit. But he made you a member of the choir. Take this instruction away. He's saying that they have become your friends and your prayer point. I don't know what I heard what I said there. That you pray for those people in the choir first before you pray for those who are ushers. Why? You spend more time with them. God does not like us to be alone. He wants people to remember us. I don't know where you might point. Listen. L- look. Gone are the days when we had doctrines like, I don't need your prayer. I need your prayer. Are you getting my point? We need each other's prayers. We do. And let me add this on to it. God needs those prayers too. 
Not for himself. You won't pray, God, may the Lord be with you. You don't tell that. Are you getting my point? That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. I mean, he needs the, he needs the prayers to help your friend. That's what I mean. He needs the prayers to save your brother. And let me say this. You will prosper faster in life if you are preoccupied with things like this. It is one trick by which we miss out of our inheritance when we are preoccupied with our personal needs. I said it the other time. The major challenge we have is to just believe what Jesus has said. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be what? Added. But you know how we pray a lot of times as believers? Lord, add other things. When you have added them, we will be able to seek the kingdom of God. This kingdom of God needs money. Lord, prosper. Ah, Jesus, Jesus, look, he said, now, wow. I told you, seek first. First, priority. Christians hardly overtly disobey God. They just rearrange the priority list. That's how Christians are. They hardly come and say, no, God will not follow you. No, we just say, look, God will follow you, but listen, let's get to nature first. That's how they do it. They say, God will follow you, let's follow APC first. That's why we disobey. Look, Christians hardly, listen to me, they hardly get up, serious believers. And you must understand that temptations in life come in different levels and different stages. Listen, if they are still tempting you with steel, Commit adultery. You're not serious yet. In fact, I doubt whether you are saved. Still, cheat somebody. Lie. You have not entered the first phase of God's, <laughs> God's assignment for your life. I'm borrowing those words from Kenneth Hagin. You have, you have not started. Just look, if that's your temptation, just know you're, you're, you have problems. You need to go. You need to fast and pray. Your life, your life never starts. Now, look, for me, when that's the level of temptation, just go and pray. Say, God, I thought I was saved. Thank God, okay, I'm saved. But I need to start. At that level, I never begin. You see, Christian men, they are still hiding food from their wife. I don't understand. You know, there are some things when you hear, you wonder that. Are you, are you sure you are Christians in this place? Because right now, I need the anointing of Ananias and Sapphira killing. You know that kind of thing? The Peteros anointing that kills people. You know, sometimes I hear pastors preach. One day I went, let me, let me give you some more gist. One day a friend of mine came. There's one meeting in Lagos that time was moving big. Serious meeting, you know. Talk of town. Every young man, young woman was going there. The gist was all over town. Singles meeting, clinical, clinical. So, one of my guys, that one younger colleague, he had a car. So, he came and said, ah, Chief, let's go for this meeting. Ah, we're both believers. I said, let's go now, let's go. So that evening, he came with his car. I entered. We drove there. We entered after. We came when we were doing, about to finish praise worship. We now sat down. They now started. The, it was like a talk show. So the main minister now came and told us a story. That there's one girl. This is her problem. Let's discuss it. This is the question now. That she's engaged to one guy who says that he cannot do but have sex. So he must, have, he must be having sex. But she's a good Christian girl. She said no. She will not have sex until she's married. So the, now, the guy is now giving her a proposal that he will be sleeping with other girls. So why is he engaged to her? What should she do? I told the other guy, let's go. 
I just say, let's go. If I hear him say, he said, Chief, are you ready? I say, I'm ready, let's go. So if I'm not serious, I will sit down and be discussing that with you. And I will sit down and be discussing that one. I just went, I said, Laddie, let's, when you're ready, I'm ready. He said, Chief, you are ready? I said, let's go. We just carried our things. <laughs> I know the funny thing. This is how we were. We didn't talk about it. Me and him. We were so embarrassed. They're like, eh? We left, you know, some distance. So this is what Lagos has been talking about. As, oh, you get there. I said, hold on, let me not say anything. I guess, yeah, let's go. We just left. Oh. Discussing what? L- let me leave it there. That's your discussion. You are not born again. No, let's leave it like that. You are not born again. You need to be saved. Give your life to Christ. Whoever wants to be saved, come forward right now. That's what we should be doing. Not discussing. Look, I, I wish we would start showing films like Burning Hell. When I was a teenager, that's what we watched. When you go home like this, you would fear to tell lie. Because you will see a man who has been burning for 300 million years, worms still growing through his eyes, coming out from his nose, and entering his mouth back. And they say, when you lie, that's what will happen to you. Bros, bros. But this day they say, no, we praise the love of God. God is good. And I doesn't want any man to perish. Bros, that's why he showed us burning hell. Because he doesn't want us to perish. Now they are not showing burning hell to anybody. They will not perish and go to the burning hell. Now look for the film, burning hell. It will scare you till today. <laughs> oh God, how did I get it? So if, you, if those things are your temptations, believe me, you need to consecrate your lives. Your life needs to be properly consecrated. I'm not saying Christians can't be tempted like that. But when it becomes your real temptation... Bros, you need to consecrate your life again. Because serious Christians are tempted with more serious things. When they wanted to tempt Jesus, it was jump and prove you are the son of God. That is it. Look, as I said, only Judas could have betrayed Jesus. If you, were, if you wanted to sell Jesus with killing the Romans, that's okay, you want to tempt Jesus to kill the Romans, you could have used Peter. You could have used the zealot, Simon the zealot. They would have gone to compete with Jesus. This ministry will advance if you kill all these Romans. Your kingdom will now come. That's the only temptation those guys understood. The only guy who says sell the master is Judas. The serious apostles, the temptation for Peter was, I will die. He said, you are not dying. We are going to kill anybody that tries to kill you. And when he cut the head of that guy, the ear of that guy, he wasn't trying to cut his ear. I see the guy dodge because <laughs> Peter was going for the head. He wanted to bisect the man like this. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. You know, I can't remember how I got there. I remember trying to talk about life is in different stages. And that is the earliest stage of temptation. That's what I'm going to say. So when you are praying for believers, back to what I'm going to say. It, the temptation for a lot of believers that you need to pray for. Okay? Now, of course, for those who have those temptations, you need to deal with them. Alright? But there are other temptations in every stage of life. For some people, their temptation is simply they leave what God has asked them to do. They are doing what every other good Christian is doing. You are getting my point? A man said that... Uh, Decided to start a church because he needed respect. He was a minister of the gospel. He didn't believe God called him into pastoring the church. 
Well, what happened to him was that when everywhere they went to minister, they didn't give him the respect he thought he deserved. They were respecting his friends, so he too went back home and started the church to get respect. Those are the temptations that people have decided to follow the Lord often come into. Now, I'm bringing an issue here. We need to pray all the time. For the, for the believer that's having problems, okay? We always have an area in our lives where we need correction. We always have areas in our lives where we need correction. And what we do for each other is to pray for one another. I explained earlier that God planted us in groups deliberately. You've been in a church, you just you think you joined, but he tossed you into the choir. Why? Pray for everybody that is there. Pray that they will be delivered from evil. Now, deliver from evil doesn't mean that be delivered from flying bullets. That's not the primary thing. The flying bullet is automatically blocked if they are walking where they are supposed to walk. To be delivered from evil is to be delivered from the temptation to do that which is wrong. He said we should draw near to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. When people are tempted to do evil, your prayer also helps them. What, what happened to J, uh, Peter? Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you all like wheat. Actually, literally, Satan has demanded. It was not desired. Go and study your Greek there well. To demand with force. Like to, like to rightfully claim something. That's what he was saying. Something led to it. That's how Satan operates. Satan is an accuser. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith would not fail. Which meant that if Jesus did not pray for him, his faith would have failed. That's what it means. He now said to him, when you have been restored, you will not get up and strengthen your brethren. One of the things he was supposed to do, therefore, is to continue to pray for the other people. When Satan came against, look, that, go and study it. Satan is not desired. He has demanded. And let me add it to it. And has been granted his right in some areas. So that the intercessor needed to come and stop the work of the enemy in their lives. So Jesus came as an intercessor and prayed for Peter. Peter specifically. And handed the button of saving the other people over to him. Which means that you and I today. Do you understand my point? You and I today, we have the job of saving the people around us. We have the assignment of saving people around us. So God plants us in places. It's not everywhere we disappear from. You just get to a place. God just connects you with people. You start loving them. How do you, do you know how, when you know you've begun to love people? When you hear they are sick and you are cooking to go and give them. When you hear their, their daughter is not feeling well. And you're like, hey, you wanted to eat, you lose appetite. It's a work of the Spirit to make it possible for you to pray for people. Our assignment in life is to strengthen one another. Are you getting my point? Listen, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. We have spent too much time, let's rise to our feet, we have spent too much time criticizing and getting angry. Okay, and and (laughs) now, the Lord is good. And I know why I went into that uh, issue of uh, if your temptation is still something. You know what I was trying to say then? I remember. Now that, those are not the real temptations of life. That what Satan does as temptation, many of us don't realize they are temptations. It takes our time and fills it with other things. He knows you're not going to go there stealing and womanizing and smoking Indian hemp. 
He knows he won't do that. So he gives other things to talk about. Many people have fallen for the temptation of fighting government all the time. Like my wife was telling me this evening, that, wife, that my, most people get angry over everything. The head of state said democracy day is now June 12, so people are angry. When it was May 29th, they were angry. <laughs> when they made it May 29th, they were amongst those who were angry with Obasanjo. He told President Obasanjo, you should have recognized June 12. 12 years later, how many years later? No, sorry, it's more than 20 years old. No, no, after Obasanjo made democracy day. No, that was, that was 1999. Uh, to now, no. Uh-huh. Like 19 years later, thereabouts. And I said, okay, no, he, he said, no. We're not here that night, it's June 12th. Some are still getting angry. In fact, the one I heard today, I said, God, deliver us from foolishness. Somebody said that if Wari wants to stay, instead of living on May 29th, he wants to live on June 12th by, by gaining 13 extra days. <laughs> According to Mike Mudok, how dumb thou art. <laughs> <laughs> you do know that the body cannot decide when he's leaving by signing a decree. That one is in the constitution when he will go. It's the 29th of May. He will hand over. Democracy Day celebration is Democracy Day celebration. People are, they are, they are occupied. That's what I'm going to explain. Those are the temptations of Satan we have to deal with. Preoccupation with things that he has not ordained for us to do. I like the way we prayed earlier. You heard that problem. Uh, you had a, a number, four cases of kidnapping in the last few weeks, or not a week or two, in Enugu. Ah, for the peace of God that we have enjoyed. No, we will not agree. You do notice that nobody asked whether the IG was transmitting anything to anybody. <laughs> Did you ask that question? No. I think anybody discover what DSS would do or not do. We didn't check that, those things. Or just said, no, the peace of God that we have enjoyed in this city, nobody will disturb it, and we prayed. And should I tell you the word of God? God has answered the prayer. And that evil spirit has gone back to where it came from. It has gone back. God has answered the prayer. It has gone back. As the people of God, we decree thus far and no further. In the name of Jesus Christ. That spirit that's empowering that crime wave, Lord, we ask you to end it and we decree it has ended in Jesus' name. Amen. And the men that the spirit is using, those ordained to repent us, they will receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. And the rest will leave them in the hand of God to end their activities in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. But our peace will not be disturbed in this city. Now listen to this. We export that peace to neighboring states in the name of Jesus. And that peace will move like a wave until it reaches every corner of this nation in the name of Jesus Christ. Every corner in the north, it will reach there in the name of Jesus. Listen to me, people of God. We are not allowed to fill our time with gossip, analysis, commentary. Or UFR couple, even if it's football, we shouldn't fill our time with such things. We have work to do. Let us pray this evening. Let's take a few minutes. First, everybody, pray for the person that's closest to you, first of all. 
Let's start with thanksgiving. Say, Lord, now you are going to, if you are married, you pray for your wife, you pray for your husband. If you are engaged, pray for the person you are engaged to. If you are not, pray for your closest friend. Pray for somebody that you love. Alright? Because that's just to take as our example. Then after that, we'll go home and continue this and start naming people's names. That's what we have as an assignment. First, let's give the Lord thanks. We always thank God. Father, we thank you because you have taught me your word. Let's begin to pray. Say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for you have taught me your word. Thank you. You have called me and given me a responsibility. Thank you. You have made me righteous in Christ Jesus so that my words can ascend before your throne. Lord, I thank you for being a priest. You have made me a priest to offer sacrifices unto you. Thank you. I have been cleansed. Thank you. I have been washed. Thank you. My voice will reach your ears. Thank you. My sacrifices will rise up with sweet-smelling you know, incense before you. My words are acceptable. My prayers are acceptable. That's what you have made me, a priest in Christ Jesus. I give you praise. Next, let's thank God. Lord, you have placed me in a family. You said it's solitary in families. Thank you, Lord. You have made us for connection. There is one body. We are individually members one of another. Lord, I thank you because you have placed me in a network of friends, a network of believers in the body of Christ. There are people I'm connected to. Lord, I thank you. Lord, today I want to pray for the closest one to me of them. Lord, I want to pray for my wife. You want to pray for your husband, whatever, your closest, your fiancé, your fiance, your close friend, somebody you love dearly, whose trouble is your trouble, whose rejoicing is your rejoicing. Begin to pray. Say, Lord, film this person. Mention the fellow's name with the knowledge of your will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let her, let him walk in a manner worthy of you. Let him please you in all respects. Let him bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. Lord, I ask of you that you will give unto her the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That the eyes of her understanding will be enlightened. That she will know the hope of her calling. Lord, I ask of you that you will send your spirit of understanding and you send words send her own teachers to her he said your ears will hear the voice of your teachers there are people that god has ordained for each individual to listen to say lord in the name of jesus send my wife's teachers send my husband's teachers send my fiance's teachers send my son's teachers send my good friend's teachers to him let him hear that voice in the name of jesus hardness of heart Lord, I rebuke. I ask you to break in the name of Jesus. Lord, flood this life with understanding the knowledge of you. Be the dear of her heart in the name of Jesus. Be the love of her life, the number one in the name of Jesus. I ask, oh God, that your will for her life will be done in the name of Jesus. That she will walk in the center of your will. Whatever she's doing that is not of you, Lord, frustrate that angle and return her, return him to the center of your will in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray. The Lord, you will cause her to seek first your kingdom. You will cause him to put his hand on the plow and not look back. In the name of Jesus. Lord, her faith will not fail. Even though Satan may desire or demand to sift her like wheat, but I pray that her faith will not fail in the name of Jesus. I take over that button that Jesus handed over to us when he spoke to Peter. He says, strengthen your brethren. Let us pray. Mention the fellow's name and begin to pray. Pray in the spirit 
Pray in your understanding. Pray in, your, in the spirit. Pray in your understanding. Say, Lord, you will fulfill her promise, your promises in her life, in his life. Lord, we know by your word that before all of us were born, you knew us. You consecrated us for an assignment. Lord, I ask for my loved one that you will cause her to discover that assignment and walk in it. In the name of Jesus. Deliver her from doing evil. Jesus said, deliver us from doing evil. It's important in prayer. Pray that prayer. Say, Lord, you will deliver her from doing evil. In the name of Jesus. He's falling for temptations. But let your grace, he said, draw near to the throne of grace and receive mercy. Obtain grace to help in the time of need. I ask for mercy for her. I ask for mercy for him. He said, if you see one, a brother committing a sin that's not unto death, you will pray. And the Lord will give you life. We give life for that person. Say, Lord, give life to my loved one. Sometimes there's a specific area that you have observed that the fellow has a shortcoming. Now begin to pray about that area. Say, Holy Spirit, deal with this. Help her in this area. Help him in this area. Now that's what we are doing. We are building up the body of Christ because it's individually. It's individually. Just imagine that we are building this network. Now you are going to carry this on to many people this week. And you make it a lifetime habit. Not just for this week. That way every believer has been prayed for. Say Lord, strengthen her. Strengthen him against the spirit of deception in this age. Do that by opening her ears to her teachers. Opening his ears to his teachers. Oh Lord, let her know you. Oh Lord, let her know you and tap into eternal life. In the name of Jesus. Let's give the Lord thanks. He has heard us. This is the confidence we have. When we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Say, Lord, we thank you. Begin to give him thanks. Begin to give him thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Say in the name of Jesus. Repeat after me, say in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you because you have made me a priest. Lord, I thank you because you have answered my prayers. Lord, I thank you because you have blessed my loved one. Because Jesus died for him, died for her. And he or she will not be lost. I mean, I'm just saying he or she. You've prayed for one person, so you declare for that person. All right, so Lord, he will not be, she will not be lost in the name of Jesus Christ. This, the, the false teachers of this age will not take her away in the name of Jesus Christ. But she will be strengthened by your spirit in the inner man in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, Christ will dwell in her heart by faith. Now that's how Paul prayed for people, that Christ will dwell in their hearts by faith. You understand? He said, Lord, Christ will dwell in her heart by faith. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you. 
Because you have heard me. In Jesus' name. Now, you know what Jesus said? All other things will be added to this. Even you that pray this prayer, you will be blessed. In the name of Jesus. Let's just lift up our hands and give the Lord thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. I say, Lord, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Father, we thank you for today. In Jesus' name. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we are passed out of death. We are passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We are passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. Live above sin and walk above the devil. So we are sitting right above Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.